Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, presented by Game On Wisconsin. Jamal Williams, I consider him a friend. It's not a rivalry if the other team doesn't win. Now, in the Game On Wisconsin studios, here's your host, Jacob Westendorf. Game on Wisconsin is brought to you by Artec Ventures. The goal at Artec Ventures is to collaborate closely with founders throughout all the investment and fundraising stages, turning their visions into successful companies. Since 2020, Artec Ventures has helped turn great ideas into profitable businesses that make an impact on industries, communities, and beyond. Visit artecventures.com for more info. Yes, hello everybody. Visit artech.ventures.com for more. Appreciate you guys joining. This is the Pick Six Podcast. I'm your host. I'm Jacob Westendorf here live in the Game On Wisconsin studios. And I am joined by two very special gentlemen this evening. The first of which um, said something not so nice to me when I asked him to record this, but he is here nonetheless. <laughs> I, I bribed him uh, to come in. He is Dusty Evely. You could follow him on Twitter at Dusty underscore Evely. Dusty, how are we feeling tonight? I'm I'm good, man. It's a couple weeks ago when you asked me, so I forgot about that, but uh, I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it, Jacob. I apologize. No, I'm doing good, man. Thanks for thanks for having me on. It's always good to talk to you and and Mike. Good to talk to you and Mike. And that leads me into my next guest. I will say, first of all, a lot of responses that I get from people in general tend to lead with expletives. So yours does not <laughs> stand out in that way. Uh, I am also joined by one of the newest members of Game On Wisconsin, uh, Mike Kawano, uh, formerly Trigger Man Mike on, on Twitter. But now <laughs> he's a grown up and uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Kawano Mike. And Mike, I just have one simple question for you. Who's got it better than us? Nobody. <laughs> Hell yeah. The Michigan Wolverines beat the Ohio State Buckeyes on Saturday, 42 to 27. Mike, real quick, I do want to get into just a Packers show, but it's been a really long time since we've been able to do this, and we could get into it a little bit more once we have to let Dusty go. But just quick feelings, emotions based on Michigan playing in the Big Ten Championship on Saturday night after beating the Buckeyes. I think uh, there's still a definitive uh, piece of um, disbelief in it. Like, after the game, my wife looked at me because she's a Michigan grad too. And she basically said, aren't you happy? I said, I'm still in shock. I can't believe they did it because <laughs> the last time we won, the two of us were in school and we rushed the field. That's how long it's been. So, yeah. <laughs> it has been a minute. It has. I remember, I think my, I tweeted right after the game in all caps, we did it. And then like two minutes later, I tweeted, oh my God, we did it. Like, I couldn't believe that it actually happened, <laughs> but I do not want to bore Dusty with that. We'll talk about that a little bit afterwards once we get to it. Uh, thank you everybody. Again, the pick six podcast. I'm Jacob Westdorf joined by Dusty Evely and Mike Kawano and the Packers are now nine and three going into their bye week The next game they will play is December 12th against the Chicago Bears, and frankly, the Packers should be favored or a pick em type of game in all of their games the remainder of the season. Home against Chicago, they'll be favored. Baltimore will probably be like a three-point favorite, if not less, which is essentially a pick em for those of you that are into the wagering of jelly beans, of course, where it is legal to do so. <laughs> they'll be favored at home against Cleveland and Minnesota, and then be favored on the road against Detroit to close out the season. The only way I could see that changing is if it is announced that Jordan Love is starting, in which case the Packers will not be playing on wildcard weekend because they'll be locked into the number one seed. I have a hard time seeing that, but certainly possible. The question I have for you guys, we've known all year. This team is compared to the elite of the NFC, Arizona, Tampa Bay. We thought the Rams, we'll get into that here in a little <laughs> bit uh, for a bunch of different stuff, but my question to you guys now is the offense at the beginning of the year, it's it's not the same, even the whole year. It's it's not the same. This team is not nuking opposing defenses where you feel like it's easy. They're going to score at least three every time they touch it. And their red zone offense is not as good, but they have gotten better as the season has gone on. And really they scored 36 against the Rams on Sunday and very easily could have been 40. I believe they punted on their or punted and missed a field goal more on that later. <laughs> on their last three possessions. Dusty, my question to you is you look at this offense maybe more than anybody I know. 
Is this maybe other than Matt LaFleur, but I don't know Matt LaFleur yet. <laughs> is this yet. offense finding its final form? I think so. I mean, you know, we saw that last year, uh, you know, with, with the picks, the people made fun of the picks of Deguara and Dylan, and we're seeing them. I mean, Dylan is doing a lot more than Deguara is now. My my thought on that when they when they picked Deguara is he might be the guy that unlocks this whole offense, what they can give, the versatility he gives, the looks they can give, that kind of power. But, you know, I always look at what can you do out of out of no huddle that you can just punish people with? How, how many things can you do out of the same looks? And I was like, well, Deguara is that guy, man. Like, they can – go spread offense. They can run power with him. And now I think that guy just might be Dylan. Like I like Deguara. He hasn't really come along in the passing game. He's shown a couple of nice flashes, like has done good stuff as a blocker, like really good effort as a blocker. I think Dylan unlocks a bunch of stuff for them um, just because he is that, that, I mean, just power, just run through your face type of guy. I mean, we saw that. I can't, who did he run over? Uh, rap was, rap. It, was it Brenner? Rap yeah. Just like it was a jump cut. And then he ran over his face, like legit through that dude, three yards, but can also has worked really well as a check down and has, you know, hauled in some nice passes and makes guys miss in space. Like he's not as dynamic as Aaron Jones. And I think Jones in there clearly helps him for multiple reasons. I think it opens avenues even when they're running for Dylan. But I think when I think of this offense, you want to think of LaFleur, kind of creating this offense, this is what I envision, kind of that that condensed look, the compressed formations, all of that stuff where you can, again, threaten power run or go spread out of. This is this is it. Like you said, they haven't been as explosive, and they've been, you know, part of that's been due to injuries. The line's been injured. MVS missed a good chunk of time, and he's their speed guy to kind of open that stuff up. But now that we see MVS is healthy, EQ's back in the mix, and he's been doing some really nice stuff, both, both in the blocking game and receiving game. You got Do you Dylan. love EQ more than Amon Ra does? I need to know. Man, I love EQ so much. I've I think I you know, I I'm going to say probably not more than Amon Ra, but you know, close. I'm going to say I'm 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 right there with him. I'm right there with him. Uh but I mean he's shown some good stuff as well. Again, as a blocker, he's been really good, I think. Um I think he's he's better than he has been. Uh and I think I really think it is it's Dylan and then some of those guys getting healthy. I think the line's going to be the line. Man, that sucks, you know. Hopefully Bot comes back. But I think Elton going down kind of sucks. But I think you look at this offense, you go, okay, can they win shootouts? Well, they've got the weaponry to win with shootouts. Can they win grinded out ugly games? They can do that as well. And they also have Rodgers at the helm, who's more than fine taking that quick game, quick hitters when he needs to, and hitting the ball off when he needs to. So, like you said, it's not, it may not be sexy. They're not wide open. They're not blowing the doors off of people, but they can win in a variety of different ways with the guys they have, which, which, I don't know, as if you couldn't tell from hearing me talk for the past five minutes. Very exciting. I think this is, again, probably not as explosive as maybe I would hoped, um, but I think this is probably what LaFleur envisioned. Um, I think it's it's a very good offense. And I think the the thing that you like, and I'm Jacob Westendorf, joined by Dusty Evely and Mike Kawano here on the Pick 6 podcast, that they seem to have answers for everything. We need to bomb mm -hmm. it down the field. Okay, we got MVS and Devontae Adams, and you're starting to see some of those big plays return back to the passing game as well, which have been absent for most of the season. Rodgers as a deep ball thrower has been much better the last two games than he was really all season, which is the only real, the only real thing that was missing from this offense, but it's such a huge component mm -hmm. of this offense because it's very similar to the way a modern NBA team plays layups and threes and the mm -hmm. Packers need to be able to hit those three pointers. But if they need to play layups death by a thousand paper cuts, now you have Devante and you have Randall Cobb, who I think has been, Something that a so lot good. of us kind of snickered at when that not me, Jacob. was made. Never not me, Dusty. Jacob. Never me either. I was I was always under the thought that Cobb could certainly help this team. Uh, but when you talk about death by a thousand paper cuts, you know the way they used him in the backfield. I really hope that groin injury isn't something serious because I think they found something with Cobb in the backfield package uh, paired with AJ Dillon, and mm -hmm. that is more lethal than what they did last year with Aaron Jones because now Jones is Aaron Jones is great. Don't give me any and no questions about it, but. Randall Cobb is a natural passing game player. He's a receiver. Aaron Jones is not a natural passing game player. And that's not a knock. It's just a fact. He's not a natural passing game player like that. And when you spread out defenses like that, use that pony package and move guys in motion. Now you've got hat on a hat and AJ Dillon one-on-one -on -one with either a safety in the box or a linebacker. And you saw what happened to Taylor Rapp when something like that can happen with AJ Dillon. So good luck. I'm sorry to Taylor Rapp. That man has a family somewhere, and I'm sure they're nursing him back to full health. Mike, my question to you is, I talked about Rodgers and the deep passing game. Is that something that you're thinking is going to continue, or is that just a two-game blip against – I mean, these were – Minnesota, that's that's Mike Zimmer. They don't have the dudes that they used to have, but that's still Mike Zimmer. And the Rams have stars 
all over the freaking field. So do you think that this is a passing offense that is here to stay? I think, I think in a way, yes. I think Dusty kind of hit it on the head that it's not going to be the offense that we saw last year. I think, I think honestly, Jenkins injury is the, what kind of puts that by the wayside. Um, they sound optimistic still that Bach will be back at some point after the bye. That'll help. Um, but you lose part of the impact of what you would have gotten of getting Jenkins back. And that in turn would have helped get you more deep passes because a lot of them would have come off of play action from under center, turning Rogers back to the defense remains to be seen how comfortable he will be going forward. And who knows, maybe they'll get really creative coming out of the bye. If Bach is back after the bye, maybe you see Yosh go to right tackle. You move, Turner inside and and Myers too. Myers coming back would be a huge one for this offense. Just in terms of Rogers' accuracy, though, I will say this: I've been as critical about his downfield accuracy as anyone this year. Um, it really was a concern through. Okay, up until he hit MVS on that over route, I was really worried about it because basically all year he hadn't hit a deep shot to anyone not named Devante, and. I think a lot of his deep shot accuracy to Tay was purely off of his chemistry that he's forever, you know, talking about that second nature ability that they have with each other and stuff. But everyone else, he was, you know, he's been short and long to MVS all year on vertical shots. Um, everybody, I mean, shoot, he lost a touchdown to Seattle because he underthrew MVS um, and he had to, re he had to um, adjust to that one. So, um, but it was great to see him hit that one to MVS and he hit another deep one to Tay. He hit the, um, the corner route to MVS. So I think little by little, you're seeing it come back. The part where I'm a little hesitant to say how quick or how much it'll come back this year is I don't know how much he's going to practice anymore this year. The toe is putting that at question, at big questions. So you kind of wonder how, because he hasn't practiced with MVS in like two months at this point of the season. Mm -hmm. So I'm impressed even more that he hit him on that over route. Cause that's, you know, he's aiming not just, you know, as opposed to a straight vertical, he's aiming left to right, and he's got to hit the right depth on it to make sure he can run under it, but also run away from the coverage. So um, that was promising. And also to hit him, hit MVS on that corner route off of um, China, as Dusty was pointing out during the game, um, that was a big sign for what can happen for them moving forward. Because like you said, um, like you said, Jacob, they need to be able to hit threes, especially with the offensive line in question at this point. But I think they do have another level to get to. It's just not going to look like it did last year. It's going to be, a little more kicking stones in a sense, but I think they'll get to a little bit more. I don't want to say the free flow. Don't expect this team to just put 40 with regularity, but I think you'll get, you'll see them get back to above 30. Like Rogers was kind of talking about in the middle of the season, how he's kind of sort of like, um, he's sort of um, kind of saying like, Oh, we haven't been above 24 in a long time kind of thing and stuff. So I think they'll get there. They'll kind of be flirting with averaging 30 the rest of the year, but um, it'll be a little bit more grinded out than it was last year. And one thing that'll help is like I mentioned, I told you guys that schedule, the defenses they play down the stretch, none of them are going to strike a ton of fear into the opposing offense, especially if David Bakhtiari is back to deal with miles Garrett, not that Garrett's not scary regardless of who he's going against, but you feel better about dealing with Miles Garrett if the best left tackle in football is there to do it. I'm with you guys. I think the offense, the only thing that I feel good about, I feel good about Adams. I feel good about MBS making a splash player to a game. I feel good about Cobb if he's healthy. The one thing that's worried me a little bit, and admittedly I'm emotional and impatient, Alan Lazard, man. Lazard is is on the struggle bus thoroughly. Uh, two drops on on Sunday. And one of them would have been a tougher play. I do know that. But when you're going to be the big possession receiver, you have to possess the ball. And I know that's a terrible pun, but I just made it. It's gotten me to start questioning, would it be? Would they be better off having some of the speed on the field with Equinemia St. Brown? Now, I know you can't do that completely because Lazard is going to do some stuff in your running game. And the, and the Packers this year, last year, they could line it up and ram it down your throat. They had Bakhtiari, they had Jenkins, they had Lindsley, all three played at an all-pro level. Billy Turner was very good, and Lucas Patrick wasn't a liability at right guard. After that, this year, though, even if Bakhtiari comes back, you're still talking about an interior. If they don't get Myers back, that's still going to struggle. And Billy, now I thought Lafleur did some nice things to scheme up some runs, but I do think that, I mean, I saw the stat today. I think A.J. Dillon had 68 yards rushing on Sunday, and 61 of those yards came after contact. They just are everything... 
that they get in their running game is created by the running backs. Now, thankfully, the Packers have two backs that can create plays like that. But imagine if they could block it up a little bit better. Now you're creating, instead of three to four yard runs, you're creating nine to 12 yard runs. And we saw, I don't know, Mike, on Saturday, how much maybe a a running game like that could certainly help you when you can just, the whole world, there's going to come a point in the season where the whole world knows you have to run the football and you have to be able to do it when the whole world knows you have to run the football. Now having Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams mitigate some of those concerns because you saw on Sunday against the Rams, they needed to pick up a couple key first downs. Couldn't ice out the clock, but hit a, a fake bubble slant to Devontae Adams for one. They hit another one that would have been able to run out the clock. Adams just wasn't able to hold on to that one in particular. But there is going to come a point where first and 10, other team has three timeouts. You're going to have to run it two times and pass once. And you don't want it to be third and 10 because you're not able to. You know, Dusty, one of my favorite tweets you ever made was the. Rogers passed to Devontae Adams in, in the playoff game in Seattle to, oh God, what song was that? Love lift us up where we belong, I think. So it, it's yeah, really good, great. guys. I'll have to share it for you tomorrow, but it was really good. It was fun to watch. Um, but the thing about that was it was third and seven because the Packers ran for two and a half, three yards on first down through an incomplete bootleg on second down. Couldn't run the ball. They need to be able to do that. And you have a guy like A.J. Dillon and even Jones, I mean, I know I don't want Jones to get lost in the shuffle as Dylan ascends here, but I do think the offense still has another step it can take. It's just getting more consistent. And like Nathaniel Hackett says, scoring some touchdowns in the gold zone instead of instead of kicking field goals, because those are no sure thing at this point, whether for protection or the kicker just not making his kicks. Let's go to defense. This show is all about nepotism. And I am going to rant and rave. <laughs> About my child, my friends, nobody cared who he was until he put on the brace and the fire rises. Rashawn Bain, Gary, 50 pressures, seven sacks. He, I believe Dara Carragher or Zach Jacobson. I can't remember which one. And I apologize. Both guys do great work over at Pack Report and here at Game on Wisconsin said that Gary got a strip sack on Sunday while wearing a 330 pound left tackle as a backpack. <laughs> and it was incredible to watch Gary's Ascension this year. And what's exciting to me about it is it's not just, so when he was a rookie, he got all of his sacks that year, basically by being an athlete last year, you saw some things with his technique, but it was mostly bull rushing and, and athleticism. The sack on that's Andrew Whitworth. That's not me playing left tackle. Ben, Bend the corner speed. He almost looked like another guy that used to wear number 52 here in Green Bay for a lot of years and is the all-time official sack leader on that particular play. Now, that's not how he's going to win most of the time, but he's starting to bend the edge in addition to being a power rusher the way that he is. Dusty, you had an article today on that strip sack that I just mentioned. Talk to me about that, what happened on that play, and just Gary's overall ascension into this team's best pass rusher. I mean, it's been huge for them just – I mean – they don't have a, well i don't say they don't have anyone else like preston smith's been lighting the world on fire this year as well preston smith has been just just been tremendous especially the past few games but i mean I, their approach just the overall defensive approach has been different for me it's been less you know petting for all of his faults that man could dial up a pretty blitz man and not to say that barry can't because we've seen that from barry but for the most part they've been and it kind of started i don't know if it's been all year because i know they drew up some stuff early a lot of their stuff has just been, you know, get those one-on-ones, you know, get that center to commit, you get those one-on-ones, get someone to win. But it really kind of starting in the Cardinals game more than anything, it was compress the pocket. It was kind of keep Kyler contained. Don't, don't shoot any gaps. They're not scheming up a whole lot of stuff. It was four to five man game, push the middle. And they got the guys to do that. Kenny Clark's been on an unholy tear. Dean Lowry has been playing tremendous. Uh, Kiki's been, you know, playing well. Lancaster has been pretty good when he's been in there. Slayton's been doing some nice stuff. And they're just, been, uh, Preston and, uh, Gary on the edge, just, just compress, just win. And don't like, try not to get too wide. Basically don't, don't lose contain. Don't get too wide. Don't shoot inside, compress that pocket. I mean, what we saw to Gary and it's been, you know, he still, he still has room to grow. I mean, that bend was really, really good. It is still, he's mostly speed to power guy, but that was just a, that bend was nice, man. You could see Whitworth was setting up, man. Like he's, he, he ran at him. Whitworth's like, all right, man, he's get he's, he's hit me with speed. He's going to hit me to power. And he just dipped that shoulder and just got underneath. Like it was a, that was one of those, you see that and go, oh, 
oh okay it was uh it was the it was the happy can putt moment right because it was like uh it was just oh i i didn't i didn't know he had that in him you just you just what a fantastic just... reference <laughs> thank you uh I mean, the speed to power move is really, really good because he's really fast and he's really strong. So he can get he, he can get you off balance. But that dip was just so nice. So I mean, that was Whitworth put his hands out. You could see him. He's bracing to get the uh, to kind of get he's bracing for the power man. And he just dipped right underneath. So just a really beautiful move from Gary. That I mean, he's been he's been great. I mean, he kind of came on a little slow, but yeah, best pass rusher just because of what he can do and, and their overall approach. Just that if you're compressing the pocket. And your guy is is a speed to power guy that can push that guy back in the lap of a quarterback. You're gonna do some really good things, and he's been able to shed and do some really nice things as well. So it's been, I was not thrilled. I mean, you guys, I don't know. I wasn't thrilled with the pick. I know you guys, blah blah blah. But I wasn't thrilled with the pick. But it was kind of one of those. I'd like to see what he can turn into because there is there's something there, and I I love that we're finally seeing it. It sucks that it came to year three to finally get that out. But with Zedarius out, I mean, Gary's been absolutely huge, man. He has, and you're looking at, I said best pass rusher on the team. That might turn out to be true if and when Z comes back. Like that would be huge. And this is something I know. I remember the word you used, Dusty, after the pick was somebody asked you, why would they pick another edge rusher when they just paid Z and P? This was shortly after the draft. And you basically said their goal is to build a buzzsaw. Well, now you have Preston Smith playing. Preston Smith's playing as well as he has since he's been in Green Bay. Best of his career right now. Z might come back. And Gary's playing the best ball of his career. And I said this, Mike, a while ago. I don't think I've ever seen a bigger disconnect between fan and organization as to how somebody feels about the player. Because it was very evident to me, based on Twitter and Facebook and internet group chats, which are, you know, everybody knows that's where the best analysis comes from, especially them Facebook groups. (laughs) That's where the best analysis comes from. That Gary was not a pick that everyone was like, oh, hell yeah, we got Rashawn Gary. It was, why did they pick Rashawn Gary? And I was kind of skeptical on it as well, just because the production wasn't there, underdeveloped, coming out of Michigan, but has turned into a very good player. My question to you, Mike, and we've got one more topic before we can uh, tell Dusty goodbye here, is he's got some other Hollywood things to do. But my other question to you is, is he the best pass rusher on this team? When Z- I'm asking you to make a projection, but when Z comes back? I think he is. I think he is right now. Um I think what he does off the edge and still providing as an edge setter, I think he does it better than Z does. And that's not disrespecting Z. That's just speaking fact. Z is, you know, his his thing is to get after the quarterback. Rashawn can collapse the edge, hold it, and still get to the quarterback all in one. And that's not something he could do coming out of Michigan. He could do it simply by out-athleting and out-physicaling the other guy in college. But now he is doing it from a physical, athletic, and uh, technique standpoint, um, you see, you know, that was that was the thing I preached with him coming out of college. I'll admit, I was a Brian Burns guy. I always like bendy, bendy, explosive pass rushers, always have been. But um, I did say, look, um, I wanted another KGB, but I said, and I, I got crucified by a couple of people. I said, but hey, I'll take a guy who rushes like Reggie White did, who just takes the tackle across from him and just leaves him in his wake, discards him and gets to the quarterback almost at will. Took some time because like I said, Rashad, we can go into this from the depths of hell after Dusty goes, but um, he was underutilized, underdeveloped at Michigan. That's where a lot of his lack of production came from at Michigan. You're looking at a guy with all the God-given athleticism and physical ability. And he was basically getting to the quarterback on just the his – sheer will basically and just being better than the guy across from him so um so it's it's been such a treat to see him uh improve his game each year um like dusty said he didn't have that move in ann arbor that um you know like russ like ross said you know he's not going to corner well in the pros but what he's learning to do is um it's like mario kart when you hedge onto the edge of the grass when you come around turns that's what he's learning how to do he's using his his pop speed to power to set up offensive tackles and like he said like dusty said when he sees someone getting set for power he's look it's like when you when you put the screech out and you get that um you get the smoke turbo in uh mario kart 64 that's basically what he's doing on those kind of um Good lord we got Happy Gilmore, mario kart <laughs> i'm this is like revenge of the fucking nerds right here with some of you guys i see you mike i see you mike <laughs> <laughs> but no, it, it's great. And I, I think 
it's the sky is the limit for him. And we heard, you know, honestly, I the the reason I was hesitant too is because I heard the pick and I heard them listed at linebacker and I honestly thought Rashawn's best pro position was going to be three technique. I thought he was going to be an excellent three technique, a great five technique because we know he can stack a double team and would be able to create pressure. I was like, kind of like um, somewhere around what kind of what Cam Hayward is not quite um, JJ Watt, but something in that realm, not as big as Cam, but maybe more disruptive because he's quicker and uh, more athletic. But I thought that would be his best pro position. I didn't think in a million years he would be a stand-up 3-4 outside linebacker. And Mike Smith has made all the different... I mean, I give Goody all the credit for, you know, trusting everyone in his staff. I don't know if he's the guy who scouted Rashawn, but he trusted his staff. And he trusted his coach to say, give me that block, the biggest block of clay you've got. And I think Mike Smith, like I said, I love Rashawn. I was elated the day he committed to Michigan. Couldn't really believe we picked him. But when the reports came out, what Mike Smith was saying, running up and down the hallways at Lambeau um, when they made the pick, I was like, all right. They The main thing, as like I said, they have a plan. I don't know how long that plan is going to take to get there, but they have one. And the the part that pissed me off the most about Rashawn's scouting was when it was like, oh, his motor's bad. I was like, Okay, if you watch the guy play, you can criticize his technique, not having a pastures plan, not having more than an arm, uh, a, a strong arm move. But if you question the guy's motor, what film were you watching? The one where he was playing with one arm because he had the hurt shoulder? Like, that was the one that pissed me off the most as a Michigan fan because I was like, dude, like, the one thing that everyone at Michigan, every Michigan fan was like, he left it out there. And just like Mike Smith has said, he would put in the work with him. It's been so nice to see that all of the things I said on draft night that like, Hey, you can knock the guy for any of these other reasons, but his motor, he's going to work at it. And if he doesn't get there, it's not going to be because he didn't try. And it's just nice to see that he's getting to the summit. And I want to see him see how high that summit can be for him. Absolutely. And one more, the legend of that story, like you said, is Mike Smith told you in his press conference, he said, when he talked about edge rushers, I had him number one. That is a class that included Josh Allen, Brian Burns, Montez Sweat, and Nick Bosa. Mike Smith said he liked Gary more than all of those guys. And you're still, I wouldn't put him as better than Bosa if I was starting a franchise tomorrow, but he's been better than all them other dudes in that class this year. So I'm excited. Like I said, the sky's the limit. Got a little more time here before we got to let Dusty go. So let's go on. Guys, this season for the Packers, Aaron Rodgers said, title or disappointment, Super Bowl or bust, whatever phrasing you want to use. And that kind of cheapens the experience in the regular season because you're kind of sitting there like, ah, cool. Yeah. The Packers won. But like, what does that really matter? You know, it it matters because you have to win to get to the playoffs. Duh. But it's all about winning those games in the playoffs that they haven't won in 10 years. So looking at the NFC playoff picture right now, guys, as it sits right now, the Packers would be the two seed playing the Washington football team in the first round, which could not be a better matchup for the first round, but I have my eyes on that number one seed, and I will explain why when I get to mine. But give me your guys' top three of who scares you the most if the Packers were to play them in the playoff game. Dusty, you've got a role, so I will start with you. Number one is Niners. Uh, you know, I, I don't even know if they're officially in right now. I think they're. I think they're kind of sitting on the. They would be the sixth seed right now. They're the six right now, but they yeah, would play I mean, Tampa Bay in the first round. Yeah, it, it, to me, it's 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 the Niners would be number one, and it's it's the Shanahan thing. Shanahan scares me anyway, but just because that that knowledge there, I know the Packers got the monkey off the back, and they're doing fine, and blah blah, blah like all of that. And I I buy that, but I think the Niners now are a different team than the team the the the, the Packers beat. You know, they're they're healthy. They figured out what to do with Debo Samuel. They figured out what to do with Brandon Ayuk. Kittle's healthy. Like, and you know, who knows what happens with health once the playoff rolls around. But Shanahan is a good offensive mind for all of his other faults. He knows what he's doing uh, from a schematic perspective. And it seems like a team that's really starting to figure it out. So I think if they if they make it, it seems like they are on the rise. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if they, you know, rise up through the ranks a little bit here. And, and I'd be shocked if they didn't make the playoffs at this point. Um, so just just history and the fact that they seem like they're on the rise. I'll, I'll take the Niners and um, the Cowboys are up there as well. I mean, they've they've been they've been struggling. Um, but if they get that run game going, 
uh, you know, the Packers run defense has been pretty good. Uh, you know, they, they really don't care if you run on them, but if you gash them, you can kind of kill them. And that's where the Niners thing comes in for me. Same thing with the Cowboys, like the Cowboys can run when they get it rolling. They've been struggling with that a little bit more. Um, and then we've seen what Dak can do again, like right now they're struggling. And so it seems weird to say the Cowboys scare me, but they like, they've got the talent, man, they've got the talent. Uh, what they, they also have McCarthy, but Kellen Moore's kind of calling the shots there. So, uh, I don't know that that seems like a team if they get rolling they can be really really scared the defense has been i think top at least top 10 maybe top five by dvoa like they've been the quality defense this year so they scare me a bit and man i, th- I guess i'm gonna throw tampa in there just because i mean that's still they're still uber talented it's still tom brady in the playoffs and whatever god he prays to and you know blood he wipes on some ancient demon sacrament whatever pictures of god somewhere that's the yeah. only explanation i have he, Oh yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt, he's got some. He's also got ancient artifacts all over the place. Um, but I mean, they're still a remarkably talented group on both sides of the ball. Um, and they're getting healthy. I mean, the past defense has been bad, but I know Murphy Bunting came back this past week. I think Winfield came back this past week. They're kind of playing themselves back into form. So even some of those weaknesses they had earlier in the year, they're kind of starting to get those guys back a little bit as well. So I, they're not the. I don't think they're the, they're the wreckers on that side of the ball that they were last year. I don't think they're going to be. Uh, but I think just as from a pure team standpoint, from both sides of the ball, if they're healthy, that offense, say the the receivers, the running back, we've seen what – they're just smart, man. Like you see what Fournette did. Fournette's not going to do that every single week. Uh, but if they need a guy to ram his head against the wall, they've got Fournette to do that. Uh, they've got run stoppers. And if that pass defense gets healthy. So I'll go, I, you know, I, I put Tampa over, over uh, Dallas. So I'd go if my top three would be uh, 49ers um, bucks. Cowboys would be my three. He's dusty. Evely. You can catch him at Packer report doing his favorite pressure and the passing game chronicle. Correct me if I'm wrong there, dusty, but passing game chronicles over at cheesehead mm-hmm. TV. And you find him every so often. Uh, the most viewed article on game on Wisconsin is do not mock the belt written by dusty <laughs> himself. So he's laughing about that. Dusty was a pleasure. I will not be up until one o'clock in the morning talking to you. And he also likes to make me spend my money. So follow him. That's true. On Twitter at Dusty underscore Evely. Dusty, always a pleasure. Appreciate you, and we'll have you again. Good to talk to you, John. Let's, let's do this again sometime. Thanks, guys. Later, Dusty. Yeah. That's Dusty Evely. Like I mentioned, you can follow him on Twitter at Dusty underscore Evely. So, Mike, we were talking power rankings in the NFC playoff picture. Where do your three, I'm afraid of that team, come into play? Um, Honestly, the only one I keep my eye on is Tampa Bay because – to me, it's Tampa Bay and everybody else. I, I think it's us and them is the top of the NFC. Um, everybody else, as cheap of an answer as is to say, I think it kind of just depends who's healthiest out of everybody else. Um, like kind of Dusty, like Dusty said, um, San Fran is getting healthier, but we're ahead of them in the standing, and I don't trust Jimmy G in the cold. I know he played at whatever Illinois and he played in New England, but he has issues holding on to the ball when he's in the warm Cali weather. I don't think he'll be that great in the, in uh, Lambeau. And then um, if I have to pick a team, I'm going to pick Arizona just because they do have Kyler, which mobile quarterback against us, and he does have weapons. Um, I know we beat them. I know – and I know we were shorthanded that game. Arizona fans will try to say otherwise, but um, it's not a matchup I'm looking to get into. That's, I guess, what I would say in terms of that. But Tampa is definitely the top one for me just because um, they're the defending champs. They beat us on our home field last year, and they are getting healthier. They're expected to get uh, Lawson back within the next couple weeks. Um, like Dusty said, Sean, Sean Bunting, Murphy Murphy Bunting, whichever way it is, the one, who pulled, Lazard, yeah, the one who pulled Lazard and got that interception last year, um, he's back. Um their pass rush, for whatever reason, it doesn't look as dominant as it did last year, but Vita Vea is fully healthy this year. So that's a different obstacle for this interior of our offensive line. Um, and Brady is, I don't know how many generations of his um, succession, he's doomed with uh, whatever deal with the devil he's made, but um, he's still there. And hes he might be the MVP at this point this year, honestly. Um, so we'll see. But I know that there is a... Um, it's not good for league MVPs winning the Super Bowl of late. So um, that would be it's Tampa Bay and then somewhere mixed in there, um, Arizona and San Fran if they're healthy. 
Yeah, my list is very similar to Dusty's as opposed to Tampa Bay's number one. Uh, yeah. Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, Rob Gronkowski, Antonio Brown when he's healthy, Leonard Fournette, and uh, oh yeah, the greatest quarterback of all time. Then you go on defense, they rush the passer. Running the ball against them is is almost like taking a knee. Their, their run defense has been historically good the last two seasons. On uh, the Packers, I mean, last year their running game was okay against Tampa, but Tampa was able to slow them down last year when they had most of their dudes. Elton played, Lindsley played, Bakhtiari famously, of course, did not play. But Tampa is going to be the boogeyman until they're not. And Green Bay, in this 10-year stretch of no championships with Aaron Rodgers, has always had a team like that in their way. San Francisco, Seattle, you always felt like if they could beat that team, they could get to the Super Bowl, but they could never beat that team. Tampa Bay is now that team that you wonder whether or not they could beat them. Dallas to me is number two, and it's for, I know everybody in here is going to make jokes about Mike McCarthy and, oh, he couldn't win with Aaron Rodgers, blah, blah. Mike McCarthy's won a Super Bowl. Mike McCarthy was a very good coach when he was in Green Bay until he wasn't, and he wasn't at the end of his career in Green Bay. I understand that. Dallas on the defensive side of the ball is going to have Micah Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence. Those two guys can get after the quarterback. That will mitigate some of their issues on the cornerback side of things. Dak Prescott, if you ask me to rank quarterbacks, I would rank Rodgers and Brady one, whatever one you want to put there, the other at two. And Prescott to me would be three for the NFC playoffs. And then you add in, they have Amari Cooper, C.D. Lamb, Cedric Wilson, who's been good for them, and Michael Gallup, in addition to Zeke Elliott and Dalton Schultz, who's a capable tight end, and a good offensive line. Now, I wouldn't be like super afraid of them coming into Lambeau or having to go to Dallas, but they are number two on my list. Number three to me is the San Francisco 49ers for a lot of the reasons that Dusty laid out. I don't fear Kyle Shanahan the way he does. Uh, Shanahan, to me, is the most overrated coach in the NFL. His legacy, if he retires tomorrow, is a guy who blew two Super Bowls. If his name was Jim Jones, he would have been fired after the Super Bowl instead of getting chance after chance. And Matt Nagy has a higher winning percentage than Kyle Shanahan as a head coach. And Matt Nagy, everybody wants his head on a stake. That said, their roster, Nick Bosa, D. Ford, Eric Armstead, Fred Warner, they've got some talent on the defensive side of the ball. Their offense, Debo Samuel, George Kittle, that running game, it matches up with what Green Bay historically has struggled with. Now, they did a good job against that group, and that group was – essentially healthy when they played Green Bay and Green Bay shut them down for the better part of two and a half quarters. Second half, obviously a different story, but the offense is better now too. And Green Bay should have some of their guys back, but those are my three teams. Arizona doesn't scare me that much. It's a team that's never played in a big game under the only big game they've played in under Kingsbury and Kyler is that Thursday night game against Green Bay. They lost that game and frankly blew it. They should have won and they didn't. And it was Green Bay playing with used car salesmen at the receiver position. Like Jawan Winfrey was catching passes. Nothing against Jawan Winfrey, but he's a practice squad player. It's the equivalent of if Green Bay had – it's basically the edge group that Green Bay had last week against um, Minnesota, where they had Preston Smith, which that would be Randall Cobb, and then a bunch of undrafted – like God bless Tipa Nalea and, and Ladarius Hamilton and Jonathan Garvin. But those guys are seventh-round picks and undrafted rookies for a reason. Any rep that they are using on those guys, I was watching Sunday and I was basically thinking the same thing. And I wrote it in my article on Sun, or from Monday morning was that any rep that they use on those guys, they're just conceding that they're not going to get pressure unless it's coming from yeah. Kenny Clark. Nothing against those dudes. That's just what it is. And it's not fair to expect more of those guys. They just, Tipa is a second year undrafted player that needs to put some weight on. Ladarius Hamilton's never played meaningful football and Garvin didn't play on Sunday. It's very similar to what Green Bay was running out there at receiver against Green Bay. Now, they did have Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. They were able to do just enough offensively to win that game. Rasul Douglas with a big play to clinch that particular game. But they don't worry me. The Rams don't worry me. Matthew Stafford is a poop can. The next game that a Matthew Stafford-led team wins, that's a big one, will be the first. A team with Odell Beckham. Good job, Odell Beckham. You scored a touchdown against Green Bay. You waited until it was a three-score game to make an impact on the game. So I would call that garbage time. I don't know what other people would call that, but I call that garbage time. I just don't know. Nobody in their running game worries me too much. Daryl Henderson was able to do some nice things, but not really. Sony no. Michelle is, if it's third and one, he could probably fall forward for a yard. And, and then Matthew Stafford, who you've seen, Matthew Stafford's thrown a pick six in each of his last three games. Aaron Rodgers has thrown two pick sixes in his entire career, or is it three? It might be three, but 
It's three in his, it is, it is three, three in his entire career. I will not be surprised at all. And I said this after the Kyle Brandt said it on good morning football, after they got bombed by the 49ers, I said it after the game was over. They're all glitter. They're all Twitter. They're no hitters. That team is soft. And you saw it when Aaron Donald is a great player. He's a, he's Reggie white. He's Lawrence Taylor. He's, he's JJ Watt in his prime. He's that level player, but you can get into his head when things aren't going well. And the Packers offensive line is going to be a better unit, knock on wood, barring relative health. The next time these two teams face off, if there is in fact, the next time. So give me, give me the bucks, give me the Cowboys and, and give me the Niners, because I think those are the teams that match up the best with what Green Bay's weaknesses are. But if they're playing at Lambeau field, you got to feel good about their chances with just about anything. And I know that I say that. And then I know that if they play Tampa, I'll be terrified and probably talk myself into picking the Packers uh, once that game starts. But let's move to our next topic. But first, a word from our friends over at the Farmery. They are located in the – it is Giving Tuesday, my friends. And they are located in the heart of Green Bay. The Farmery is an indoor aquaphonics farm and fish hatchery with learning opportunities and sustainable agriculture. They engage children and adults of all ages in their education, outreach, and service learning programs. Using yellow perch and walleye, the farmery aims to revitalize the stagnant aquaculture industry in Wisconsin. In Green Bay, Wisconsin, perch and walleye have cultural significance as culinary staples in the Friday night fish fry, which is one of my favorite things to do on a Friday night. Due to ecosystem challenges in the wild fisheries of these species have plummeted, sustainable and healthy approaches to feeding our communities are more important than ever and aquaculture is poised to play a critical role. So they are doing the Give for Greens campaign. And last I checked, they were close to $10,000 for this campaign. So ensuring a sustainable local food supply, advancing job opportunities, enabling families access to healthy, nutritious foods are long-term goals of the farmery, but they can't do it all in one day or a year. This year, they're raising funds to complete our aquaponics demo lab, which will also be a crucial step toward offering our aquaponics course in the fall of 2022. No donation too small. Five bucks to $15 donations can make a difference for equipment needs, such as $5 gallon buckets, nets or seeds. To donate or learn more, visit givebutter.com slash give for greens today. That is givebutter.com slash give for greens today. And our friend, Annie Schmitz, the wife and the better half of producer Nick of Lombardi's Bar, is one of the people running that. So check out our Twitter page. It is tweeted on there. You can give and donate that way here on this Giving Tuesday as we record. Mike, let's move to our next topic. The running game. We just talked about it a little bit. They averaged 2.9 yards per carry on Sunday. Twitter loves to scream, run the damn ball. Anytime the Packers go three and out after throwing three times. Do you have concerns about this running game? Because to me, I think Green Bay's best matchups are in the passing game, regardless of who they play against. And that's true if Green Bay's running game is humming. But this running game, even with Dylan, who I think is really good, and Aaron Jones, who obviously I think is really good, they're going to struggle. Even if Josh Myers comes back, they're going to struggle. It's just on short yards, but they're not moving anybody. 61 of 68 yards on Sunday came after contact. Now, that's a good front. I know that. But do you think you play bad fronts in the playoffs? Not very often. What are your concern levels, if any, about this running game and its sustainability moving forward? Yeah, so if you go back and watch the film, what's happening between last year and this year, it's not even it's not even a matter of you know how well I want to say guys are blocking guys aren't even staying engaged that's the biggest issue with the interior o-line especially is you're seeing newman and lucas patrick are on either on the ground or just you know in where to go mode kind of thing like that so um there's a lot of free hitters in the hole that's where i know it's kind of sacrilegious to say it but that's where i kind of didn't like that aaron jones played so much last week especially on the bad wheel i thought they should just bludgeon them with um dylan and patrick and patrick taylor um because like you said, I did, um, what's it called? Los Angeles, they do a lot of slanting up front. They move shoot gaps with their guys. It's a gap control um, defense. Um, so I thought to get yards in the ground game, and we saw it, it wasn't it wasn't picture perfect by any measure, but they got their best production by just using Dylan as a battering ram and just running him into the line and saying, go fall for three yards and see if you pop one through. Um, in terms of concern level, <laughs> I don't even know if I'm concerned anymore. I think we're kind of in this is what we're this is what we're gonna get this year. Cause like you said, 
Myers back will help, but he's not Corey Lindsley, and he's not going to make up for not having Elton. Um, we both love John Runyon Jr., but he's not Jenkins at left guard. Um, and I think the only way you're going to change up how that interior O-line is if you get really creative with moving around pieces over the bye, which I don't think the team is going to do at this point in the season. But like I said, the only way I think you're going to see a substantial change in the run game is if is if Bakhtiari is healthy enough to play coming out of the bye so that you can use the bye to shift uh, Yosh over to right tackle, bump Turner into right guard. That is, I think, with the loss of Jenkins, like I said earlier, losing Jenkins curtails a lot of the things I was saying that they're waiting on, they're waiting on, they're waiting on to get to that offense we saw for a lot of last year, which was a lot more under center, a lot more hard play action with Rodgers back to the defense. You're going to see a lot more shotgun runs, which is really just banging your head against the wall, in my opinion. I know Jones is better at it, but when I see Dylan lined up in the gun, I'm kind of like, oh no, here we go again, kind of thing. But um I think you're, it's just going to be, like you said, the biggest development, and we didn't really get to talk about it with Dusty, but for the longest time, Dusty and I have had this running thing on uh, Twitter where we're like, "Will you, if you're going to run RPOs, will you please run something other than a bubble screen? And we saw it. Tampa Bay completely nuked those in the, both in the regular season matchup and the playoff game. Um, Carl Lawson had almost had another pick six off of um, one of those RPO bubble screens where he just – split the two blockers and almost took one from Devante. Um, but it was really nice to see um, in Sunday's game that they used Devante on some vertical routes off of RPOs. I know Rogers has said he doesn't like it because he doesn't like how the spacing and the timing works. But in all honesty, with the way defenses are playing, you can't just run a bubble screen every time. We saw Lazard getting nuked off the ball on those kind of attempts earlier in the season. So it was, like you said, I think the best matchup is going to be their passing game, but they have to use the run game as a weapon in that, in that to either set up those RPO looks or to just bust them with uh, Dylan for the majority of the game. And that's where I kind of want to see Dylan start more, even when Jones is healthy, because just like Michigan does, it works. Hey, um, use Dylan in that role that our boy Hassan Haskins is being used in. And then you use Jones as a changeup like Corum is. Um, that would be five touchdowns against the Buckeyes, <laughs> former stack linebacker and Michigan hero, Hassan Haskins. But yes, please go on. But yeah, I, I think in terms of getting the most out of the run game this year, that would be the way you're going to get the most out of it because it's not going to, like you said, they're not going to um, blow people off the ball with regularity like they did last year. So I think um, it's going to be a lot more almost smoke and mirrors in a sense, but there's a way to do it. And it's going to kind of look like banging your head against the wall this year more than it was just creasing people like we did last year. Yeah, I tend to agree. And, and you look at just how Green Bay is going to have to run the ball. I think it'll look very similar to the way they did on Sunday where they're going to have to scheme it up and they're going to yep. scheme up run plays like that. So it's going to be tough. I wouldn't move Yosh to right tackle. Uh, he's never played right tackle in the NFL. I understand the thought process of just wanting yeah. Bryce Newman off the field, but the reality for me is your best pass blocking tackle tandem is Bakhtiari yeah. and Billy Turner. And that to me matters so much more. Especially, than... yeah, like you said, Dallas. That's kind of why I didn't have Dallas up there because their pass rush is edge only. They don't really have interior pass rushers. So that's why I, even though. You know, you're still counting on Bach to be Bach, but um, that's why they don't worry me as much on defense because they were, you know, Trevon Diggs hasn't had an interception in what feels like a month, even though he's still got eight of them. But a lot of it is because teams couldn't handle their, they, could, they can't handle Micah Parsons off the edge and quarterbacks are throwing into trap coverage that Trevon Diggs is just lurking in. So that's a lot of their defense to me. I, I know they've been doing a lot of good things by DVOA and stuff like that, but I feel like their defense has gotten exposed a bit over the last few games, but um, that's kind of where I think, and I agree. Like the reason I think Yosh can go to right tackle is because he played it in college, but it's a big difference playing in the ACC and the NFL. Well, and like you said, he, he's only played in the NFL at left tackle. And, and like Josh Sitton famously said, playing on the other side, it's like trying to wipe your ass with the other hand. And, and it's tough. It, it is. It's, it's just a tough thing to do. So we'll see what Green Bay does. Hopefully, it's a good problem to have. If you're talking about trying to break back in the best left tackle in football, that's a good problem for the Packers 
to potentially have. Speaking of injured players, we talked about Bakhtiari. There's three of them that are rather large contributors, or so we thought, to the 2021 version of the Packers. David Bakhtiari, Jair Alexander, and Zadarius Smith. So, Mike, I am telling you that you can pray to the injury gods, and they respond to you and say, Michael, pick two. Cannot give you all of them, but pick two. Who are your two? Yeah, I'm going to go... One of them is going to be a no-duh, and one of them is going to be a little outside the box. So um, the no-duh one is going to be Jair. They need Jair to win. I, I think they're stretched a little bit at edge, but I think I think Goot's going to make another street-free agent move. There's a couple guys that are well-known names out there. Olivier Vernon is the guy that I hope Goot is calling him every day to ask him how his Achilles tendon is feeling. Um, but you're not going to find another Jair off the street. And we've seen them the last few weeks – We've seen their um, their coverage get stretched to the limit with, I mean, um, you know, Chandon, he plays his butt off every week, but he's a matchup to be exploited by someone like Chris Godwin. They need to find some other options. My dream hope is still that somebody can take safety three to the point where you put Savage in at the star position. But I think you need Jair to win to win the Super Bowl. You, you need that top flight cover, man. Um, the second... Is it O-lineman? But I'm not going to say but I'm going to say it's Myers. I think you get Myers back, and it helps you It helps you fortify one of those positions on the interior. And I thought this line run blocked a whole lot better with Myers in there than it did with Lucas. I love Lucas to death. I think he is a warrior. He fights. I have no idea how his feet are still connected to his body because he gets rolled up on every other play. But you see his limitations. Um, he he doesn't have the quicks that Myers has off the ball. I'll take Myers. Um, and that's because I'm the conductor of the Yosh train and I believe in him. But um, those would be my two that I would say if I had to pick two, I would pick those two. Okay. Well, you're still drunk from Saturday's game because David Bakhtiari is number one with a bullet. And I don't think there's any – like you're talking about – Pass rushers that you might see in the playoffs include Shaq Barrett, JPP, Demarcus Lawrence, Micah Parsons, Chandler Jones, Aaron Donald, Von Miller. Like the list goes on of guys that you might see. Bakhtiari is the best left tackle in football. Josh Myers is still just a rookie that we think is good, but maybe he's not. He might be. We don't know. I mean, he's only played five, six games. There has, there's not a lot of sample size. Bakhtiari is number one with a bullet to me. There's no question about that. If Bakhtiari plays in last year's NFC championship game. I have a very good feeling. We're talking about the defending Super Bowl champion Green Bay Packers as we speak. He didn't, and we're not. So Bakhtiari is number one to me. Protect the Kings blind side and work from there. If you need to move Yosh to right tackle because you believe in that, I would rather do that than spend the rest of the season not having David Bakhtiari. But that's me. That's easy to me. Uh, number two to me is Zadarius Smith. And I say that with all due respect to Jair Alexander, he deserves plenty of it. I do think he's going to be back. I think that that shoulder injury, they're just kind of trying to take it slow. They've been able to win without him and, and kind of work that way. And I do understand the want, the desire, the need to say like, Hey, well, what if, you know, what if they match up with Justin Jefferson in a playoff game? He just torched Eric Stokes and Rasul Douglas and whoever Green Bay threw at him. I understand that, but how do you beat these great quarterbacks in the playoffs? You put them on their ass. Tom Brady in the playoffs in the Super Bowl against the Giants. Tom Brady in any playoff game he's lost. The Titans did this to him when they lost his last playoff game in New England. You have a buzzsaw on your pass rush unit. Kenny Clark, Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith, Rashawn Gary, and say, go chase number 12. Go chase number four, because if that guy has all day to throw, it doesn't matter if you have Jair Alexander, Xavier Howard, and Jalen Ramsey in the same secondary with the two best safeties behind them. If they have that long to throw, they're going to find guys. So to me, Z has got to be that other guy that you find and get him back because then you can have an interior pass rush of one of Z and Gary with Kenny Clark and then the others on the outside. And I think that, that could be just a buzzsaw. And that's the word that Dusty used earlier. And I think you could find that uh, very much so <clears throat> if you can get those guys back. The Packers defense, this is our final topic of the night, the Pick 6 podcast. I'm Jacob Wester, previously joined by Dusty Evely, and now here with Mike Kawano. 
Mike, the defense has been the bugaboo, and they always get the blame. They could give up 17 points, but if they give up the game-winning drive, they're the one who's going to get the blame because the Packers have Aaron Rodgers. That's just the nature of how this works. They've had some better games. Uh, they've had some games that the Saints game makes you scratch your head. Obviously, the Vikings game makes you scratch your head, and the Rams game was up and down. I think they did a good job, all things considered, but it was up and down. Are you concerned for the playoffs, or are you confident that this Packers team could win a playoff game similar to the one they did in Chicago in 2010, where they had to win with their defense? I think, okay, um, as long as they stay as healthy as they are or and get Jair back, I'm confident in this defense because the last couple of weeks, I think you're seeing the fringes. I wrote about it in first four. You're seeing what the fringes are of next man up. You're seeing them get stretched to the max in that, um, in that, in that, um, in that Avenue. Um, the guys who are playing, they're playing their butts off. They're giving full maximum effort, but you're seeing what the talent discrepancy is between a Chandon Sullivan and, you know, um, Justin Jefferson or Adam Thielen in the slot or even Van Jefferson. So um, I think if you get Jair back, which I agree with you, I think, I don't want to say they're babying it, but it is an injury where they're saying that you, you've got to let it heal up as much as you can to avoid surgery. I think they're making the, the right move, um, play the long game. Like you said, like everyone said this whole season, this is all about the end game for the Packers. So they're going to play the long game with everyone as frustrating or um, as head scratching as it might be. But it's the right move for this team, this organization where they stand. Um, but I think as long as they don't sustain any more injuries, I think we're good on defense if we had to win a game like that Bears game. Because um, the game against Minnesota, I think, like you said, not having Rashawn out there, they basically had one edge rusher. And even though um, Kenny and even Kiki had superb games that day, you, you get – you've got to get edge pressure on cousins because when you get pressure, I know every quarterback up the middle is, you know, pressure up the middle is their Achilles heel. But when you get edge pressure on cousins, he does weird things with the ball. I mean, so much so that the 49ers made him line up under his guard on Sunday. And, um, we would have seen then, that against green Bay. If some of the DBs could <laughs> catch the damn thing. Oh uh, no. <laughs> but, um, and then this this Sunday, you just saw it where you don't have Jair, you didn't have King today, and then so you're limiting it. You know, people are saying like, oh, we need to move so-and-so out of, you know, move Chandon out of the slot. But as Russ Uglum said on Packaday, okay, who are you going to put there instead? I mean, you take – with the way that the roster, the active roster was, um, you take out Chandon, who are you putting in the slot? Yadam, Shamar, John Charles. Okay, you move Savage down to the slot. That means Henry Black's playing deep safety is somewhere. So and he's had a rough month. So right now they're at the absolute limit. If they sustain another injury, then I'm going to get worried. But I think they have what it takes. And I think Barry is playing to what he has. He's done a lot of he's stretched to his max. He's done a lot of paper mache to cover up some holes. But I think um, the scheme he's got is better suited for the personnel that's on this roster. Sure feels that way, and you hope, obviously, that health plays out here down the stretch because the Packers, like you mentioned, are stretched to their limit of next minute. One more injury on the offensive line, and it gets really scary. One more injury in the secondary or the edge group, and it gets really scary, especially if they don't get some of those guys back. Like I mentioned, he's Mike Kawano. I'm Jacob Westendorf. This is the Pick 6 Podcast on Game on Wisconsin. You can find Mike on Twitter, at Kawano Mike. You can find me, at Jacob Westendorf. Mike does first four every Monday for us and occasionally some post-game shows with MJ Hurley on Sunday nights as well. Mike, normally I end the show with a prediction segment, and I know this is the pick six topics, but special times call for a special show. So I got to give you a seventh topic tonight since I am in the – I am a Walmart Wolverine, which is something Spartan fans like to call Michigan fans that were not attendees of the school, and I was not. Mike's a little long. Saturday was sweeter for you than it was for me, even if I like to think that it wasn't. <laughs> Michigan is going to play Iowa on Saturday in Indianapolis. First time they've ever played for a conference championship, a chance to win the conference for the first time since 2004, I believe was what they said on the broadcast. Michigan, Iowa, who wins? And what's the final score? I think Michigan is going to do it. I think this team, 
they had their sights set on Ohio State, but I think they had their I think their goals were higher than even that. I think they're going to make the playoff. I've never been good at score predictions, but um I think they're gonna be able to put 31-35 up on Iowa, and I think they're gonna win by at least 10 points. So I'll say 31-21, something like that. Um I think we're gonna roll into the playoff. Does Aiden Hutchinson win the Heisman Trophy? He should, but voters are stupid. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. It, it honestly should be between him and Will Anderson, but voters won't do it. Like, no, that, I, I, that's I agree with you, fact. but if there was a year for something like that to happen, I do think my cousin Colin is a big college football fan, big LSU Tigers fan who just hired human feces, Brian Kelly, to be their next head coach, said, is there a worse Heisman Trophy year that you could think of? And that plays into the hands of a defensive player potentially. Like when Woodson won the Heisman, it was insane that it happened because Peyton Manning was a final Randy Moss and Randy Moss. And he won it over both of those guys. So that's incredible that that even happened. Manti Teo was a finalist. Uh, he won or he did not win. Johnny Manziel did and deservedly. So Jabril Peppers was a finalist, but never really in the discussion too much on that side of things. But if there was a year for Anderson or Hutchinson to win it, I do think it was this year. I too like the Wolverines. I think it's 31-20 Michigan, and we are standing outside chanting, it's great to be a Michigan Wolverine into the playoff. All your narratives about Jim Harbaugh are gone. All your <laughs> narratives about the Wolverines are gone. And I will tell you, here's my chance on a soapbox, guys. I know this is a Packers show, and I do apologize. But I've been a Michigan fan since I was six years old. Charles Woodson, my first favorite player, all that good stuff. There is no bigger defender in the world of Jim Harbaugh than me. And Mike, you know this because you've been in my direct messages saying, <laughs> let the dude go. And I've been like, no, 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 no. <laughs> there is no, and I know the record against Ohio State. I know the record against Michigan State. I know all that shit. I don't care. There is no man I would rather have leading the Michigan Wolverine football program than that guy. He just donated all of his bonus money that he earned back this year while betting on himself to people who lost their jobs, livelihoods, academics, all that stuff during the pandemic, donated all of it. He's a good coach. He seems to be a good man. And this Michigan team, I think, deserves everything they've got to him. And ultimately what it comes down to, Cade McNamara doesn't flinch and they dominate. They kick your ass on the line of scrimmage. The entire world knew when it was 35-27 that Michigan was going to run the ball. Three plays, 65 yards, Hassan Haskins, touchdown. The drive before that, same thing. Blake Corum, Blake Corum, Hassan Haskins, touchdown. They can run the ball against anybody. So, Mike, I have this real quick again. I guess I'm going a little long and whatever, but we're doing this. It's fun to talk about. your college. So my college football playoff is I think Georgia beats Alabama. So I've got Georgia, Michigan, Cincinnati, and I think Oklahoma State wins, and they will keep Notre Dame out. But I am skeptical if the committee will be able to, to resist a potential semifinal matchup between Michigan and Notre Dame. I think some of that luster might've been lost because human feces, Brian Kelly decided to go to LSU and he will not be coaching uh, the team. I, I would imagine he's not coaching anymore. Uh, if they get to the playoff, I would imagine their interim is going to be their defensive coordinator, but that's my four. Do you see it any different? If those teams, if, if um, Georgia wins their play, if Georgia wins the championship game and Oklahoma state wins the championship game, I think they're in, um, I think the only way they would put Notre Dame in is if Oklahoma state wins like super dumb or super ugly, but I think their, their, um, their, their work this year has been impressive and everyone who, no one who doesn't watch their game won't know this, but, um, a lot of national anchors and, um, just college football experts, they do say like, they have a SEC level defense out there. They beat you up. They're not a Big 12 defense. And um I do think they're going to get recognized for their body of work. I think um Notre Dame is going to get dinged for two reasons. One, they're going to get dinged for um they're going to get dinged for losing human feces and also I think they're I I still think even though they're a big brand, I think they're because, like I said, voters are stupid. They're going to get dinged for not winning a conference. I, I I, think they are one of those. They have to either win outstandingly or be undefeated. Or the committee is going to be like, ah, should be in a conference. So I, I just have that feeling it's going to go that way if um, the championship games go the way we do, that we think they are. 
And that we do. So you'll see all that. I'm Jacob Westendorf. This is the Pick 6 Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram, Game On Wisconsin at Game On WI. Subscribe to our YouTube page. Hit for notifications and let us know what else you want to see. We have merchandise. Check out the link in our bio if you want to get some Christmas shopping done. Check Mike out on Mondays with First Four, me the morning after, and then this podcast. Next week, I have a guest that is to be determined, but we'll be talking about the Packers and the Chicago Bears. Mike, before we sign off, I got to ask again, who could possibly have it better than us? Nobody.